Hey guys, Creepy Pete here. Just want to make a quick little announcement before our podcast starts. We do have a Patreon page. It's $1 a month. We appreciate anybody who d- makes a donation. The goal of the Patreon is just to cover our social media and promotions. Things like covering our SoundCloud account, uh, any Facebook promotions we have. Like I said, it's just a dollar a month. Anything beyond our goal is just going to go to upgrading our equipment. So that's just my little rant out of the way. I just wanted to plug that in, make you guys aware of it. You can go to patreon.com and search for the Lag Radio Network. We'll show right up. But I'm going to shut up now. And with that ado, let's get into some creepy pastas. The following podcast is a production of the LAG Radio Network. Welcome to Creepy Pete's Pasta Party, and this is the story of the Pastel Man. Consider this a warning in the event it ever comes to you during a moment of weakness, as it did to me all those years ago. Say no to the Pastel Man. It doesn't matter how much you love the person that it promises to help. Nothing is worth what it wants in return. I tell you this in hopes that you don't make the same mistake I did that cold winter night, kneeling beside my father's writhing body on the living room floor. It was 1997 when I first encountered the creature, and ever since, not a day has gone by where its awful face hasn't haunted my thoughts. I was a teenager then, but I look at that evening as the night my childhood died corrupted and violated by a callous hell beast with pale blue skin. Even though it happened years ago, I still remember the events of that fateful first encounter vividly. I could tell you what my father and I were wearing, the toppings on the pizza we were eating, even the score of the football game playing on the TV. It was around halftime when my father's speech started to become slurred, which I found odd since he had been nursing the same bottle of beer since kickoff. Stranger even, I had seen him drink a six-pack to himself in the past without even appearing tipsy, so I was having a little trouble understanding how a single drink could have such an effect on him. I realized it wasn't the alcohol when half his body went limp and he slid off the couch. I asked him if he was alright, but his words had become incomprehensible. I grabbed the phone off the coffee table and dialed 911. 911, what's your emergency? I think my dad's having a stroke. The thought had only crossed my mind a second before the operator answered the phone. Okay, we have your address and ambulance is on its way. It should be there soon. Is he conscious? Yes, he is, but I can't understand him. Nonsensical jumbled sounds were rambling out my father's mouth. I was afraid. He's all I had. My mother passed away when I was a baby, so I never got the chance to know her, but my dad was always there for me. Doing the job for two parents. If I lost him then I would be alone. That's normal with strokes. It's good that he's awake, and I didn't hear the rest because that's when I dropped the phone. I was having one of those moments where everything faded into the background while my world fell silent. The football game playing on the television, the operator giving me instructions over the phone. Even the sound of my father's voice as he wailed in agony on the carpet became white noise. Dissolving into the air as I lost all awareness of my surroundings, all of my attention and focus was now on one thing. The horrible abomination that was standing in my kitchen, watching my father and I with a twisted smile across its disgusting face. Its head narrowly missed scraping our nine-foot ceiling as it shifted from side to side, fidgeting with anticipation like a giddy child in class on the last day of school, waiting for that final bell to signal summer vacation. The pastel blue skin that covered its entire body, from the creature's head all the way down to its feet, horrible grimy feet 
looked weathered and wrinkled like leather that had been left out in the sun for days. Hanging off its long, lanky frame was a plain brown satchel with black stitching. It lightly caressed the strap of its pouch with a long finger while it looked on with an eager expression on its face. At first I thought I had gone mad, the sight of seeing my father having a stroke, but closer the monstrosity slinked towards us, the more I realized it was no hallucination. It ducked its head under the light fixture in the living room and stepped a spindly leg over the couch. Though the monstrous freak of nature was clearly bipedaled, it had moved down to all fours and appeared to be stalking us like some wild animal hunting its prey. I should have been terrified, but the horrible smile on the god-awful face made me feel more anger towards the thing than fear. It was as if it was taking a pleasure in my father's misery. Closer still, it crept, and I grabbed my father's hand out of desperation. In some veiled attempt to protect him, the creature stopped its face mere inches from mine before shifting its attention down to my father. I can save him, if you'd like. I was taken back. I had prepared for the terrible thing to take a chunk of flesh out of my neck with its teeth or slash me across the face with its black, crusty nails. But speaking to me was the last thing I expected. He's dying, but I can save him. If you'd like. I sat there, mouth agape, cradling my father's head in my arm and staring into the two pink, bulbous eyes that took up more than a third of the foul thing's face. I remember thinking that they reminded me of Easter eggs, a bizarre connection for my mind to make given the situation. It stood back up on two feet, and once again I was reminded just how imposing the creature really was. It told me its name, which I dare not repeat, because it also explained that speaking it is the best way to summon the beast. For the remainder of my story, I will refer to this entity as the Pastel Man. Just the name I came up with due to the pigment of its skin and the light shade of pink that was the color of its eyes. That and for some reason the creature, a silly name always helped to make feel less afraid of it. Not much less though. Finally, my mind had recovered enough from shock to allow me to stutter out a few words. What do you mean you can save him? What I do is make deals, young man. Its voice was surprisingly angelic. Like a thousand choirs all singing in unison, if one were to close their eyes while the creature spoke to them, they might imagine they were listening to a seraph, not the hideous monster that was sporting a depraved grin in my living room. However, its extraordinary voice only managed to make me feel more uneasy. It wasn't right that something so beautiful would belong to such a repulsive creature. The pastel man gestured to its satchel. I have the ability to save your father's life, but you have to agree to a deal with me. What kind of a deal? Everything happens for a reason, even death. Its mischievous smile widened just a bit as if the creature was getting to the punchline of a joke. It's true that I can save your father's life, but someone must die in his place. One shall die, so another may live. That's the deal. I clutch my chest. Not you. What would be the point? No, I'm going to give you the option to choose the person who will be replacing your father this evening. I was stunned by what I was hearing. Are you death? The pastel man threw his head back and let out a terrible howl. It was only later that I come to realize that wretched laugh. No, I'm certainly not the Grim Reaper. Although you are the first person to ask me that, I'm not the devil either, nor do I work for him. 
let's just say I'm an independent contractor, shall we say. Two tiny holes that line on the center of its face in the absence of a nose flared in satisfaction of its explanation. I can choose anyone. Well, not anyone. That wouldn't be very fun, would it? I could see a row of shark-like teeth hiding in its mouth as it separated its lips to speak. Your father's replacement must be someone else in your life. I'm not a murderer. My voice was tiny. It barely escaped my mouth. I looked back down at my father. He had lost consciousness, and his skin was becoming pale. And I don't think I could kill anyone I know. You don't have to murder anyone, young man. The sly creature was moving into its final pitch. All you have to do is tell me who it is you want dead, and I will do the rest. Surely there must be someone you wouldn't mind out of your life. A teacher, an ex-girlfriend, a rival at school perhaps? There was. I had fantasized about it many times, but never in my wildest dreams would I have ever acted on it. Everyone has their own person in their life who is toxic. Someone who makes getting up in the morning more difficult, and I was certainly no exception. Walter Flanagan. I muttered under my breath. Who? Walter Flanagan. He's a guy at school who gave me this. I lifted my shirt and showed him the handprint-shaped bruise on my chest that Walter had given me during one of his infamous hazing sessions in the locker room earlier that week. He's been shoving me into lockers and beating me up since I was a freshman. The faculty don't do anything either since he's one of the best football players in history of our school. He's a five-star recruit going to a huge college next year. ESPN even did a piece on him. Ah, the pastel man began to snicker to itself. It somehow widened its already enormous pink eyes. Even more, crouched back down to get face to face with me again. What fun is being a king without serfs to torment, eh? Well, I'm tired of being tormented, so just go and kill him before I change my mind. The pastel man shot a massive hand out and wrapped its long fingers around my face. The grin that it was wearing since I first laid eyes on it has now rapidly been replaced by a scowl. You do not tell me what to do, are we clear? I nodded sheepishly. The grip it had on my face was so tight, I understood then and there that if it wanted to, the creature could easily snap my neck or crush my skull like an egg. Good, because it's not so simple, young man. There are steps that must be taken. Steps? Yes, a playful smirk once again returned to the pastel man's face. You will have to be present when this Walter Flanagan dies. In fact, I need you to summon me or else I can't complete my end of the bargain. Get the boy alone and speak my name. You must watch him die by sunrise or else you will be violating the terms of our agreement. So we have a deal? I nodded again and the monster released its hold of my face before snatching my hand. Its giant paws swallowed my palm as we shook to cement the deal. Excellent. With this handshake, our deal is binding, young man. I watched curiously as the pastel man reached into its satchel and fumbled around until it found what it was looking for. In between its repugnant fingers, it held a strange-looking insect about the size of a quarter. The bug buzzed its wings in an attempt to flutter away, but could not escape the pastel man's grasp. With its other hand, it pushed down on my father's jaw in order to open his mouth. What are you doing? I asked, but the pastel man didn't answer. It then violently stuffed the insect in my father's mouth, jamming it down his esophagus with its filthy fingers. The pastel man rose once more to its feet. 
There, the deed is done. Your father will recover in full. Now it's your turn. Remember, the boy dies by sunrise, or the deal is off. It turned its back to me and began to slither away. What if I change my mind, I asked. The creature stopped almost mid-stride and twisted around. Again, its smile has been supplanted by an awful sneer. I felt even less safe than when it was holding my face in a vice grip earlier. Your father's health has already been restored, so someone must replace him. One must die so another shall live. That was the deal. If you fail to complete your end of the bargain, then that someone will be you. Believe me when I say this, young man, I don't need to be summoned once our deal has been broken. I will come for you, that is a promise, and when I do, you're going to wish you never crossed me. With that, it continued out the kitchen and through the back door. I chased after it, but by the time I got outside in the backyard, the thing had disappeared. It was then that I spotted the lights of the ambulance as it pulled up across the street from my house. I flagged down the EMTs and led them to my father. It wasn't difficult to find Walter, I knew exactly where he was going to be, but I had completely lost track of time while waiting to hear from my father's doctors in the ICU. I had to hurry to Eddie Gillen's house. Eddie's parents were out of town and he had been talking all week at school about the rager he planned on throwing. There were two things I knew about Walter. One, Eddie was his best friend. Two, he never missed a party. It was somewhere around 3.30 a.m. when I pulled my car up to Eddie's. I parked a little ways down the street so I wouldn't be spotted because I had gotten held up at the hospital. I feared that I had missed my chance to catch Walter. My concerns were alleviated when I saw his raised pickup truck still parked in the driveway. Another thought crossed my mind. What if Walter had gotten too drunk and passed out? I had to try and think of a way to get into Eddie's and Walter alone long enough for the pastel man to do whatever it was that he planned. Luckily before me, it wasn't too long before Walter stumbled out of Eddie's front door and climbed into his truck. I let out a sigh, having just escaped a potentially challenging problem. He pulled out and I followed behind, staying far enough away so that I wouldn't tip him off. He was drunk, even from the distance I was tailing him, I could see his truck swerving in and out of its lane. The pastel man otherworldly voice played itself over and over like a heavenly broken record in my head. You must watch him die by sunrise. I wondered if I even had the courage to summon the creature again, seeing it once the night before was traumatic enough. Could I really handle looking into its horrible face for a second time? And what about Walter? Even though he was a huge ass, he didn't deserve to die, and certainly not at the hands of that thing. It will kill you if you don't let it kill him. Just remember, you're doing this for Dad. I'm not sure it was the little angel on my shoulder or the little devil that was whispering in my ear. I looked out my driver's side window. A pink ribbon lined the horizon. The very first signs of sunlight making its presence known in the dark evening. In a couple hours, morning would arrive, and I would be too late to complete my end of the bargain. I would see the pastel man again, one way or the other. Walter lived up in the foothills outside of town where some of the wealthier people owned homes. I had been there once for a school project, one where I did all the work and he ended up taking all the credit. We had come to a part of the road leading towards his house that cut through a wooded area. I knew there would be no houses for a stretch, so I decided that was where I would make my move. I sped up until I was tailgating the truck then started flashing my brights and honking my horn. 
I was preparing to rear-end him in order to get him to stop driving, but it didn't even take that to get the job done. He must have been panicking, his truck started to swerve violently across the street before running off the road, sideswiping a tree and coming to a complete stop. I pulled up behind him, then hesitated for a moment. A glimpse of the creature's grin flashed through my mind, causing me to shudder. I got out of my car, but left the engine running and my headlights on. Hey, Walter, I shouted. Walter's door jerked open and he jumped out the truck to the ground below. Sean the Shithead? He was confused but clearly annoyed. Sean the Shithead was the nickname he had affectionately given me on my second week of school. Within a month, my entire class had been calling me it. You think that was funny? I'm gonna fuck you up, little bitch. He stomped towards me with both fists clenched. Again, doubts crossed my mind about whether or not I could pull the trigger. Guilt began to jump through my veins. Walter's life was about to end and it was going to be because of me. Memories darted through consciousness. All the after-school beatings I took at the hands of Walter. The pastel man's wicked smile. The look of my father's face as he kicked and screamed on the living room floor. Finally, those words spoken through the unnervingly angelic voice of that terrible monster. One must die so another shall live. Walter was moving closer. It was now or never. I had to choose whether or not I would summon the beast before the decision was out of my hands. I shouted the pastel man's real name out in a burst of emotion and aimed directly at the star football player. Walter paused for a moment, looking at me in confusion, then recollected himself and proceeded towards me again. The pastel man was nowhere to be seen. For the second time that evening, I wondered if I had gone insane. Could everything that happened to me that night been in my head? What was real? Was my father even sick? Again, I repeated the thing's name in an effort to summon it, but this time it did nothing to hinder Walter's pursuit of me. He violently shoved me against the hood of my car, grabbed hold of my shirt collar and spun me around. Walter raised his fist to hit me. I winced to put my hands up in order to prepare for impact. But he never struck me. Only when I opened my eyes did I realize I wasn't crazy. Walter's face was white. His mouth hung open just as mine had when I first caught sight of the pastel man earlier that evening. I turned my head to see that unmistakable long lanky body slink out of the shadows and in front of my car's headlights. Its face still wore that warped smile and I knew just beyond those thin lips was a mouth full of tiny daggers capable of tearing muscle from bone. Neither Walter nor I said a word. I think I might have been almost as terrified as him. My stomach began to feel sick as the pastel man stalked ever closer. I didn't even look at Walter's face, how could I? The boy was about to die at the hands of this horrible monster, and it was my fault. I didn't have to summon it. I didn't have to shake its hand. I'm sorry. I truly was, and I still am. I hadn't taken my eyes off the pastel man, but I think it had more to do with not being able to look Walter in the face than fear for my life. Walter said nothing, my car's headlights fell on the creature's face, and now we could both see it clearly. The pastel man's large pink eyes seemed to glow bright in the light of the headlamps. Walter let go of me and made a break for his truck, but the hell beast pounced on him with a surprising amount of speed and agility that I had not seen it demonstrate. His screams were met only with apathy from the creature as it dug those filthy black fingernails into Walter's abdomen. I tried to look away, but the pastel man made sure I remembered our agreement. You must watch, young man. Don't forget we had a deal. 
I forced myself to look back at the massacre. The creature's smile had mutated from mischievous to depraved. It looked as if it was deriving some sort of sick sexual pleasure out of the torture it was putting Walter through. Deeper still, it burrowed its long bony fingers into Walter's stomach. With a jerk, the heinous thing yanked out a hand full of intestines and dragged them across the ground as it approached me, flaring these holes on its face that filled in for a nose and clearly pleased with its handiwork. It's over then. I'm not sure if I was asking or begging the creature as the two of us faced each other in the empty street that night. The pastel man threw his head back and once again let out a revolting howl. Over? We're just getting started. I headed back over towards Walter, who at this point was crawling along the ground, still trying to get to his truck while his innards trailed behind him. The pastel man cut him off and snatched him off the asphalt, easily lifting him by the head with just one hand. It toyed with him for a bit, forcing Walter to look into its hideous face. With its free hand, the creature reached into its satchel and pulled out a much bigger insect this time. It was different than the one my father had unknowingly ingested, both in size and appearance. If the bug that the creature jammed down my father's mouth was the size of a quarter, then this one must have been as large as a golf ball. It was slimy. The mucus-like membrane that encased its body glistened in my car's headlights. The pastel man dangled the nasty bug in front of Walter's face for a few seconds. Now be a good boy and open your mouth. Walter screamed. That gave the blue beast the opening it needed. It thrust the slimy insect in his mouth and passed his tonsils with its filthy fingers. I watched on as Walter gagged, presumably on the oversized maggot that made its way down its throat. Soon, he began to turn blue. I could tell he was choking to death, and even though I wanted to save him, there was nothing I could do. A minute later and the pastel man dropped his lifeless body to the ground. It examined the carnage for a moment, pondering over it as if it was a masterpiece in an art gallery. Then the demon turned away, retreating back towards the shadows and disappeared into the night without saying a word. I stood there in the road, looking at the scene and still feeling sick to my stomach from what I just witnessed. I don't know what I expected to happen after the deed was done. There was no explosion, no brilliant light show where I would watch Walter's soul either dragged down to hell or ascend upwards towards the heavens. Just a dead boy in the road, a dead boy and his murderer. The pastel man was the gun, but I pulled the trigger. In a way, there were two dead boys in the road that evening. I knew that I didn't have time to dawdle. At any moment, a car could have come driving down the street and find me standing in the middle of that massacre. I sprinted back to my car and spread down the street towards town. The coroner attributed Walter's death to a drinking and driving accident. Although there is understandably a lot of suspicion regarding the odd circumstances surrounding this demise, the autopsy revealed no evidence of the slimy bug the pastel man had placed in Walter's throat. The town was devastated. I remember a candlelight vigil was held in his honor. A couple of big news outlets covered his death because of Walter's status as an elite college football recruit. My father made a full recovery and just a couple days after his stroke was released from the hospital. I could go on to graduate high school and meet the love of my life the very first semester at my university. Her name was Diana, and she was the most beautiful girl I had ever seen. We married shortly after college, settled down and had a wonderful boy named Matthew. However, I never forgot the hand I played in Walter's death. 
Having carried that guilt with me since the events of that night, no matter how much I wanted to, I couldn't forget. The pastel man wouldn't let me. It must have seen me as an easy patsy because the creature had come to me again and again every time a loved one had been on the brink of death. Offering me the same deal I accepted that first shameful night. Though the creature had been persistent in its pursuit of bloodlust, the image of Walter's gruesome death never left my mind and gave me the strength to say no to its propositions. Even years later, on the eve of my father's passing, I was able to refuse its proposal when the pastel man visited me in his hospital room. I've been cursed to have my soul tested till the day that I die by the pastel man, a test that for years I was able to preserve through, until one evening where my life began crumbling down, and once more the creature took advantage of me in a moment of weakness. Diana and Matthew were on their way back from the airport after visiting my in-laws, I was swamped at work and had to pull an all-nighter in order to finish a project by its deadline so my wife hailed a taxi rather than ask me to pick them up. It was around midnight when I was alone in the office when I got a call from the police department. They told me a drunk driver had collided with their cab on the highway coming back from the airport. My wife and the cabbie were killed on impact and my son was in critical condition. I sat there at my desk, unable to move or formulate a coherent thought. It was then that I realized I wasn't by myself in the office anymore. Perched atop my boss's desk was the pastel man, that abhorrent smile still painted across his nasty, wrinkled face. It didn't need to make an offer. This I believe the creature already knew. Can you save them? I asked. Yes and no. What do you mean, just spit it out? The pastel man smirked disappeared and I could tell that it was not pleased with my tone of voice. Memories of the vice grip it had on my face the last time I demanded something from the creature bled into my consciousness. Perhaps it realized I was past the point of threats because instead of lunging at me, as the creature had done in the past, it decided to clarify its cryptic response. I cannot pull someone back from death's clutches, only save them before it gets a hold of them. Your wife is dead, now make your peace with that. Your son's life, on the other hand, can be salvaged. For a price, of course. I racked my mind. I couldn't think of a single person in my life who deserved to die at the hands of that pale blue monstrosity. Even someone as awful as Walter didn't deserve the gruesome fate he received that night due to my poor decision. But my son was all I had now, and he didn't deserve to die either. Not because someone else that had made a poor decision that evening and got behind the wheel of a car they were too intoxicated to drive. The pastel man's glorious voice filled the room again. I seemed to be hearing it from all directions. The drunk driver that crashed into your family's cab is still alive and in the very same hospital as your son. Why not him? For the first time that evening, I looked into the large pink eyes of that creature. You said it has to be someone I know. Semantics. It just needs to be someone who has directly impacted your life. The moment he drove his car into your wife's and son's taxi, he became a candidate. The pastel man flared the tiny holes on its face with glee the way it always did when it was content with itself. Fine, let's do it, I said. I shook its giant hand to make the arrangement official. And with that, the pastel man gave me the instructions to complete our deal. When I met with the doctors that night at the hospital, they updated me on the condition of my son. We've done all that we can, but he's a fighter. 
The doctors feigned optimism, but I could see in their eyes that they didn't expect him to make it through the night. They led me to his room and gave me some time alone with him. The pastel man was already there when I entered, smiling down on his broken body. Quickly I shut the door behind me and I nodded to the creature. It reached a gangly arm into its satchel and pulled out the same type of strange looking insect it had shoved down my father's throat. I opened Matthew's mouth and with two grubby fingers the creature crammed the bug deep into his oral cavity. He will make a full recovery, now it's your turn. The pastel man waltzed behind the hospital curtain in my son's room. I knew I didn't have to check to see if it had disappeared. If it were to make another appearance at the hospital that evening, then it would be because I spoke its name. When I agreed to the bargain at my office, the pastel man had told me what room the driver was being kept in. His injuries were far less severe than Matthew's, so he was in a different wing of the facility. I could feel my heart pounding as I made my way towards his room. With each step, the beating in my chest grew louder, already the same feeling of guilt I had when I looked down at Walter's corpse lying in the middle of the road, washed over me. I was about to take another person's life, who, who was I to decide whether or not someone deserves to live or die? I just felt as ugly and as horrible as the pastel man looked. Maybe I didn't have pointed teeth or wrinkly blue skin, but if I knew that if I went through with our deal, that I was just as big of a monster as he was. I stepped as stealthily as possible through the door, hoping no one would notice me sneak in. As I looked down at the face of the driver lying unconscious in his bed, I instantly felt that familiar sickness in my stomach. He was a boy, no older than Walter the night the pastel man and myself unfairly snuffed out his life before it truly had a chance to shine. Walter could have become someone different when he matured. Someone capable of doing real good in this world, but he was never given the opportunity. This driver was just a stupid teenager who made a mistake, one that he'd never get the chance to atone for. I saw Walter in the boy's face, and my stomach began to churn more. I tried to call out the pastel man's name, but couldn't. Perhaps that little angel on my shoulder wouldn't allow me. I would not be responsible for the death of another boy. Not this time, I refused to pull that trigger. I walked out of his room and didn't look back. I spent the rest of the evening sitting next to my son's bed. The first few rays of morning sunlight snuck into Matthew's hospital room and caught my attention. I peeked out through the blinds and watched the sun rise for the first time since the night Walter died. It was beautiful, the pink ribbon that lined the horizon had bled into the sky, creating a dazzling purple hue. I had my light show, and it was spectacular. I broke my deal with the pastel man, and in doing so, my fate now rests in its filthy hands. Hands that it likely plans on bearing into my abdomen. On the plus side, my son will recover in full. It will be hard for him growing up without his parents, but he's always been close with his aunt. My wife's sister is a wonderful woman with a caring family. She's his legal godmother and promised us the day he was born that she would always be there for him. Her husband does well for himself, and they've never had a problem with money. The life insurance policy Diana and I took out, combined with the money we had been putting away for Matthew to go to college, will ensure that there should be no financial issues while he's under their care. It's only a matter of time before the pastel man comes for me. I have accepted that my death is near, but I'm not scared, in a way that I look forward to it. 
It's almost as if the boy that died within me on that terrible night has been given another chance. When I die, all the guilt and hate that I've ever had for myself dies with me, wiped away with so that my soul can fly and cross over to a new plane of pure and innocent, the way it was before I ever met that monster. One must die so another shall live. That's what the pastel man said. Credit to Vincent Vina Cava. Alright guys, I hope you enjoyed that. This is Creepy Pete here, and sitting next to me is Sadistic Sally herself. I love that story. That's one of my favorite creepypastas. It's a pretty interesting creepypasta. Did you like it? I did, actually. I didn't think I would, but it was pretty interesting, and I really liked it a lot. I really enjoy it. My favorite thing about it is it's such an easy way out for you to save a loved one, but the catch-22 of it is it has to be someone who impacted your life. Now, where do you stand on the debate of, do you think the author's still alive? Do you think he made it out of the pastel man's grasp? Do you think he's still in hiding? Or you think as he was writing about it, he might have slipped up? And I feel like he might have slipped up because we're all humans, so we all make mistakes somewhere along the line. So I'm sure he, I feel like he might be dead because of... I believe he's still dead because you can't not mess up. I feel like it's going to happen eventually, so I believe he's dead. Do you believe he's still alive? I want to believe that he's still alive just because the inner me wants to be like, haha, someone outsmarted him, you know, like this all-powerful, benevolent... And we'll, and we'll talk about that too because there's a lot to go into that as well. I want to believe that he's alive, but I agree with you. I don't think he could have escaped for too long. It doesn't say how old he is, but I think the biggest piece of evidence for him not being alive is the pastel man can find him at any other point in the story. He finds him when his father first dies, or first has a stroke, I'm sorry. And then he harasses the guy every time someone's on the brink of death up until the wife and the son get in the car crash. He even shows up when the dad is about to pass the second time years later. See, and he yeah. says, do you want to make another deal with me? There's so no way my, of avoiding him. Yeah, I feel that's like. my argument. Yeah, how can you avoid him if... Maybe I mean, he just went underground into hiding because, you know, he's not around anybody he loves who's dying. So, like, how can the pastel man find him if he's not around his dying loved ones? But I still feel like he's dead. Maybe, yeah. I get the name calling for contractual reasons like with walter i understand that you have to like call his name as a give or take a confirmation of this is what i want take his life it's like a order number or a confirmation letter for a package yeah exactly <laughs> but i don't think that it's necessary to summon him every single time because he clearly shows up at multiple points in the story without any warning at all he comes back after he finds the news about his wife and his son and the pastel man is just sitting on his office just hanging out like just imagine if he like popped up behind me right now like how scared would you be pretty scared because that means someone i know is about to die so true sorry true. about your luck sally wow okay <laughs> that's fine 
But now, now here's that can lead into another topic. Now, would you do it? Would I do it? Yeah. If I was dying, would you? Oh, you can't do that to me. Yeah, I would. Yeah. You would just watch someone you know die to save me? I wouldn't enjoy it. Not like he does, but... I don't think the guy, the author of the story, enjoyed watching... No, I, m- I meant the pastel man. Because oh. the pastel man's all like... He gets that sick sexual pleasure. It, they describe it as sexual pleasure. I don't necessarily think it's that. I just think he really likes killing people. You know who I think of? And this is this might ruin the story for a lot of people. But when every time I read this, I think of Crumbopulous Michael the Third. Off of Rick and Morty, Morty. yeah. Because all I think of is that scene where he's getting ready to do the assassination on the space fart cloud. And he's just like, oh boy, here I go again, doing what I love most, killing. Killing. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that was, that's a good, good episode. Yeah, next time you read this, imagine Crumbopulous Michael, it makes the story so much better. They kind of have the same description. They're both really slender. They they got They're big bulbous eyes. They're both blue. All right, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I thought. Isn't he a a bureaucrat? Isn't he like green? I thought he was blue. He might be. It's been a while since I've seen that. Where do you stand on the past? Uh, what do you think he is? Do you think he's a demon? Do you think he's some sort of higher power? Do you think he's just some creature that exists in our world? I think he's a demon. So let's talk about if you were the pastel man or if I was the pastel man. Let's start with you. Okay. If I was the pastel man? How, how would you want to look? Would you still keep with that super... He. He's kind of like me, super like emaciated, kind of lanky. Tall, lanky, bony. Yeah. It's basically the, you. the ideal supermodel yeah, for a woman. There you go. Um, <laughs> I would probably keep like the the height and the. I don't know if I would want to be pastel blue. I feel like that's not scary. It's calming. That's why I like it. I don't want to be calming. Maybe I can be like neon pink. Ew, pink is such an ugly color. First of all. No, that's too bright and flashy. Maybe like Prince Purple. I don't even know what color that is. I don't even I know what just that saying looks like. Like purple rain. Oh. Um <laughs> maybe a little darker than that. Like just like a deep purple or like a maroon or something. I don't know. I don't wanna be pastel I don't wanna be known as the pastel lady. Like that's not scary or terrifying. I think of like some some lady that frequents Hobby Lobby a lot, buying scented pine cones and other assorted art supplies. Is that they what just you? call her the pastel lady because she likes pastel. See, exactly. Like, like I don't want Greg, he paints watercolors. See, I don't want to be associated like that. I want to be terrifying. Like I want to be feared and respected. Because like if I come around, I want you to fear me, but I also want you to be like don't mess with me i mean he's you still have like the super strength and speed too like the author yeah, I would is keep absolutely that. terrified of him i just wouldn't want to be pastel blue i would no. want to be a different color but like and i would want a nose i don't want too little i don't want to be voldemort <laughs> yeah holes. i don't want to be voldemort i would want a nose maybe look a little more human but like a really tall disfigured lanky weird human 
you'd want to be disfigured. Yeah, because that's scary. I don't want to. I want to be scary. I don't want to look like Voldemort. I'm not scared of Voldemort. Like what kind? Of, so like, what, are you missing an arm? You can't grab people. Not disfigured. What do you mean, like disfigured? Okay, not like, like, not disfigured, but I just want to look scary. I want to look like a scary old lady that you don't want to mess with, but you're like, hmm, maybe she can be an okay person. <laughs> like, that's so, how I... So you are the, the old grandma at Hobby Lobby buying Scented Pinecone. And then, That yeah. makes deals with the devil. Yeah, because that's my daytime look. And then my nighttime look, I'm like this 13-foot-tall, like, deep maroon, creepy demon thing, like... Okay, you have a disguise. Yeah. So you go, you like scope I'm an your old lady. Out. Yeah, I'm an old lady who shops for scented pine cones, who then turns into a tree sized demon who kills people for fun. I could respect that. So you have two bugs. You have a bug that gives life. Or, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. That's not accurate. You have a bug that can salvage a life, and you have a bug that can take a life. Um, what are your picks? Oh gosh, I didn't think much about the the uh, the bugs that give or salvage a life. Um, I know that I would probably like for a bug that would take life, I would probably do like a camel spider because if you don't know oh. what a camel spider looks like, they're pretty scary. Oh, they're horrifying. Or oh my gosh, what's the name of the other spider? It's like a. Um, Oh gosh, it's like a huge tarantula that like can take down a Oh, a Goliath bird eater. Yes. Is that what you're thinking? Those big yes. fat hairy spiders. Just imagine like some thirteen foot tall creepy lady shoving down a Oh gosh, what is it called again? Goliath. A Goliath bird eater. Yeah, just imagine like you having to like shove one of those down your throat. Like, that would suck. I think I'd rather just the intestines ripping kill me than that. I would much I rather go through a lot of pain than swallow a giant spider. I hate spiders, though. That's just my preference. But yeah, no, I would do that for... I think I would do the bird eater, the you know, the Goliath bird eater spider from the one that takes life. And then the one that uh, gives life. It's a really pretty beetle. It's a jewel bugs. Or, yeah, they're jewel bugs. I think they're a beetle, but what do they look they're like? super colorful and bright. Oh wow, those and are wow, they're like, very yeah. Vibrant. I have to pull it up on my phone, but they're they really these, pretty. Yeah, they have these really bright, like orange. Oh, they're different colors too. Yeah, they got spots and stripes, and they're they're almost like neon. They're not terrifying. And they're small. You yeah. Can, you can swallow those. And like, it's like yeah. the size of a little Advil. You know, but see, like, if I wanted beetle. to torture someone, I'd shove something big and scary down their throat. But if I wanted to salvage somebody's life, I'd be like, here you go. Here's this tiny little pretty beetle. Like, I like that we're on the same page with that. For my salvaging, I think I would use something like pretty innocent, like a caterpillar. That way, you know... Like those fuzzy caterpillars yeah, that you see? Especially that, the, the little black fuzzy caterpillars. Yeah, like I tried to like get those and be my pets because I thought they were super cute. But You ever eat one? No, God no. Why would I eat one? Oh, maybe. You don't know. You might have to one day. Maybe it'll save your life. I feel like you're not supposed to eat them. No, I feel like... I mean, I... What, do you know what they're called? A caterpillar, A fuzzy right? caterpillar. A fuzzy caterpillar? <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, hey, they pop. Hey, insects. We have fuzzy caterpillars. I typed it into Google and it popped right up. So, they are. They are poisonous caterpillars. So I don't think I would want to eat one. Well, that's just what they tell you because they probably know about the pastel man and they probably know that it can salvage a life. So they don't want people living forever. Health insurance would be out of business. I yeah, mean, think if, about that. Illuminati confirmed. If you want to go eat one, I'm not going to stop you, but just know I might have to take you to the hospital. I'm just saying, if you you're... ever find me on the floor and I'm having a stroke, just drop a caterpillar in my mouth. The worst that can happen is I keep having a stroke. Or they stop the stroke and then I die from the caterpillar. But we'll 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 do a play by play. We'll play it by ear. Okay, now what would you do for ones that take life? I forgot the exact name, but those Amazonian giant centipedes, you know what I'm talking about? They're about the width of your fist and they're I don't know roughly how long they are, but they're huge, terrifying centipedes that just crawl up and down trees gross it'd take a good couple minutes to swallow i feel like one of those alone would take up at least half a year esophagus i know the whole point of the killing bug is supposedly it chokes you to death and then it just disappears and vanishes i want mine to be a little bit more gruesome i want it to just kind of go down the esophagus and stop halfway just you know do a little happy dance so half of it's sticking out of your mouth while half of it's down your throat? In my head, I didn't imagine that, but that's way better and way more horrifying. Just be the like tail a end of it just like twitching out. You know, Ew. like a tongue. Ew. I, I mean, I'd rather have that than a spider. I'd would rather, you? Oh. I would rather, like, ju- let me pull up a picture of this spider just I, so that, you can see it. That's a really hard would you rather. I don't know which one I would prefer. I I really, I, yeah, I think I'd have to agree with you. I don't know. I feel like the spider would be more horrifying, but it'd be quicker. Um, Whereas the centipede would be still really scary and really horrible to deal with, but it'd be a really slow process, I feel like. Let's see here. But I don't know about that because look how big this thing is. Oh, I didn't realize they were that big. Yeah, they're oh, huge. Man. That's about the size of a Goliath bird eater. That wow. is a Goliath bird eater. Oh, that. Oh, I thought you were searching a, a camel spider for some reason. Oh, no, I'd rather uh, have a Goliath bird eater. Like, that's what my, my bug would be. I can just imagine that like, crunch look. as you bite down. And, I wouldn't oh, want to bite down. I would down. just, like, just let it go. I just let it. But, I mean, I guess in that situation, I probably wouldn't be thinking about, like, I'd be more terrified that I was, like, getting my entrails ripped out of my body and then being shoved a giant spider down my throat. My logic for biting isn't necessarily that I think it's going to stop anything, but I'm still going to try. Because I think I would know that if I was in that position, yeah, I'm not walking away from that. But... I'm definitely not just going to let someone put a spider in my mouth without letting it suffer a little bit, too. That thing is I just don't want to be put in that situation ever in life. (laughs) Well, yeah, hopefully not. But who knows? It's unfortunate. Maybe his real name will come out. We can summon him. 
you can summon them. I'm just going to stay out of it. I mean, I'd prefer not to, but... Yeah, but like you said, if I got into a car crash, who knows? Are you familiar with Pumpkinhead? I'm not familiar with Pumpkinhead. I mean, I kind of know about Pumpkinhead, but not, like, to the extent I should. I don't either. I wasn't made aware of it until I was looking through some trivia about Pastel Man. And basically, from what I can surmise, forgive me if anybody here is, like, a diehard Pumpkinhead fan... There's a couple movies out there, and it's essentially a similar thing. He's a demon of vengeance, and he makes deals with people that he'll take care and he'll kill anybody that wronged you in vengeance. However, the the price you pay for it is your soul is stuck in purgatory, and your corpse has to become the next pumpkin head for whoever wants to summon it. I haven't seen see, these movies, but they sound really good. They do sound really good, but seeing that situation, I probably wouldn't go through with it. I probably wouldn't make the deal with him. I'm sorry, yeah, but no. my soul's not getting stuck in purgatory for you, babe. Yeah, I don't sorry. think anybody's worth a soul. That That's a big price. Uh, that is my soul, and if it benefits me, then I'll do it, but, <laughs> but I'm but sorry. <laughs> souls are off limits, but other people's lives are fair game. Our logic is flawless, babe. I know. <laughs> it's great. But yeah, no, like my soul, I'm not going to give that up for someone else, but like, yeah, yeah no. sure. I'll give someone else's life up for someone I love. Like that may be terrible in my, like in a way, but but yeah, that was the Pastel Man. Um, it's definitely one of my favorite creepypastas. I, I like love it. it. Yeah. That was actually one of the first creepypastas I ever read. The first creepypasta I ever read was Slenderman, and we're going to do it eventually. Uh, we yeah. will eventually, yes. You're right. We will eventually do it. I'm super I'm, excited for that day. I know it's been worn out, and it's been talked about so much, and there's a movie coming out about it now. Is it? But, yeah. But, uh... It will always be one of my favorites. Like, I remember reading it, like, back in middle school or whatever. And I was slightly terrified because, you know, there's pictures, air quotes around the word pictures. Oh, when it first came out, it was, it's revolutionary. It's a yeah. classic. I'm not saying it's a bad creepypasta. I'm just so burnt out on everybody talking about Slenderman. Well, let's, we can make it better. We can put a new twist on it if we have to. We can. I was actually reading last night. Uh, some more about the pastel man and I came across this thread and there's a couple screen caps with it of this movie that was supposed to be made based on the pastel man and I got super super excited because they were talking about like release dates and I'm like there's no way this was written years ago and now they're just like happening to make a movie about it and like how did I not know about this I looked at the timestamp on the date and it was dated 2015 so I don't think it's happening anytime soon and I, I'm not gonna lie I, I teared up a little bit you wimp yeah I was really uh, this creepypasta is it has a lot of meaning for me because it was one it was what introduced me to creepypasta I was familiar with Jeff the Killer and Slenderman but I wanted to get into more of the niche kind of part of creepypasta with the stuff that Pastel Man's up there, don't get me wrong. By now, it's super, super popular, and a lot of people are familiar with it. But not as popular as Slenderman. Not to the mainstream extent that, yeah, Jeff the Killer, Slenderman. Maybe are. when they bring the movie out, we can go watch the movie and then do a podcast about Slenderman and then talk about the movie. 
I actually really like that idea. Boom. We can do a commentary on that since everybody knows the story of Slenderman. We can do kind of like uh, what we thought about the movie and how it follows. Yeah, and then we can also talk about the creepy pasta as well. Do, is, do you know the release date off the top of your head for that? Um, I do not. I if think it's not, in the it's... summertime. I believe or was, we're already in the summertime. But I was going to say they're releasing it this year. I want to believe so. Um, it's supposed to come out August 24th, 2018. So oh, a day, the day after, after your my birthday. birthday. Happy birthday to Sadistic Sally. We'll have a podcast up for you. Uh, It'll Probably be, about two days after that's that. That's perfect because it's my birthday and Slenderman is one of my favorite creepy pastas, and we go get or and we'll get to go see the movie. Ugh, it's just gonna be a good time. It will be a good time. I'm actually and really I have that day to that. off too, so I need to drop in my request. But yeah, uh, as we <laughs> as we got a little off the rails there, but that's okay. Uh, any closing thoughts on the pastel man? Just, you know, don't make a deal with someone, even if you're losing a loved one. Just don't do it. It's not worth it. It's what happens when you play God. Yeah. Uh, There really wasn't, like, he was afraid for his life, but he never, I can't say he never dealt with the consequences, because Walter, the Walter Flanagan incident messed him up his entire life, but... He never, as far as we know, paid the price. But I, I'm like, I'm sure he did. Sure yeah, he did. Yeah. Yep. Same. But yeah, that's a pastel man. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I was super excited to share this one for you. I'm glad you really liked it. I, I did. I really, really enjoyed it. So yeah, join us next time. We're going to be covering some more. I'm going to do another Alvin Schwartz piece. Uh, Sadistic Sally's going to bring in some, some horror of her own. And we're going to discuss it. So be on the lookout for that. And once again, guys, thank you again for listening. We have a blast doing this for you. I'm just going to plug the Patreon one last time. I'm going to be annoying. It's patreon.com. You can find it searching Lag Radio Network. It's only a dollar a month, and it helps us support doing what we love and keeps us providing you guys with great content. So rant over. I hope you guys enjoyed, and we'll see you next time.